We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are back for another second show, another second show that involves a defensive lineman, Notre Dame fans. It is a big night. Notre Dame has just picked up a commitment from Bubakar Traore, a four-star top 100 defensive lineman from the state of Massachusetts. That is now the second four-star player from the state of Massachusetts. I got to say, Ryan, we were saying his name, Bubakar Traore, and I was like, you know what? I don't think that's right. Because there's actually it's actually a relatively popular name mm-hmm. in heritage, and so there's like a soccer player with that name. There's a I saw that yep. name. So apparently, it's also uh, pronounced like Trare. So I was getting ready to say that. Then I found then thank Tom Lemming, the Godfather, <laughs> came through for me. There he posted a video after Bubakar committed, and it was him interviewing Bubakar, and the kid said his name, and it's Traore is how he pronounces it. So. I was like, cool, we're not screwing that one up. You're right. Nice. Jagasaw, right? So um, big commitment, Notre Dame. Al Washington has struck big now twice. And one in 2024, obviously that was Saturday when they got a commitment from Brandon Davis Swain. Now today he is on the board for the 2023 class. He kind of got handed these two gifts that are called Keon Keeley and Brandon Vernon. (laughs) And now it's time to, you know, add to his supply, and he got that in Bubakar. This is a big pickup for Notre Dame, right? Yeah, now it is. It is. It's um, they are. We we always speak to the versatility that Notre Dame wants to play up front between four man, three man. If you watch Bubakar and how he plays for his for his high school up there in Massachusetts, he is a edge the majority of the time. But what he always already brings, Brian, is six foot four, two hundred fifty plus pounds. Is only a high school junior. He's got growth potential, and he's got length for days. I mean, we've been told it's upwards of eighty inches, which I mean, that's a six foot eight reach for for people that you know aren't you know too too uh, too under understanding of like uh, kind of converting there. So he's got a lot going for him. He's a really explosive kid. He's not the he's not the most flexible of all time. So there might be a transition eventually to like, hey, strong side defensive end. Maybe he's a three tech down the road. But either way, he's a versatile defensive end that brings a lot of power profile to the to the field. 
It's interesting you say that about his flexibility, and we can just we'll we'll dive in more to his his uh, breakdown here in a little bit. But the thing about that I noticed, Ryan, is I had some of those same questions about him. There's actually some some clips on YouTube of him playing tight end, and you see it you see it. So I think a lot of it has to do with the the technical aspects, which we'll get into. But let's give a little bit of backstory on this one, Ryan. This is an interesting one. First of all, Bubakar is from West. Well. He goes to high school at Catholic Memorial in West Roxbury, Massachusetts. He is listed at 6'4", 255. That's about right, I think. I think both of those look accurate to me. Incredibly long wingspan. I think, it, what was it we reported last time when we talked about him after he decommitted? I think it's like, I was told it's like an eight, I was told he has like an 80-inch wingspan, right. which is absurd. I'm, I got to go try and find what Khalid Kareem's was because Khalid had a really long one as well. And I think it was kind of, it was a little bit longer than that. It was probably like 82, 83, 84, which is absurd. Yes, it is. This kid is, this kid has got, this kid has got some, some length to him. There's no question about it. So uh, he is ranked as the number 83 player in the country. According to on three sports, he's ranked number 88. According to two, four, seven sports, both rank him as the number 11 Overall defensive lineman in the class, another the third top 100 commitment for Notre Dame in this class, which is really really impressive. Yep. So, and you're talking about that 80 inch wingspan comes from a kid who's just a junior in high school. It's going <laughs> to keep growing. Mm-hmm. So he fits to me in that in that Adi Takumba Ogundishi Khalid Kareem mold of long long athlete. So this is also a young man who who committed to Boston College in 2020. August of 2020, stayed committed to BC for over a year, decommitted back in March. Part of the reason he decommitted was interest from Notre Dame and Michigan. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and I just think there was, I mean, some big-time programs stepped up to the plate. He decommitted, and Notre Dame was considered a top school initially. Michigan made a really hard charge for him. There mm-hmm. were some questions about whether or not Notre Dame could get a fifth defensive lineman in the class. If it was a case, where would he be? All that stuff was sort of part of that conversation, Ryan. And Michigan, according to some I talked to, felt that they were in a good place for him. That all changed yesterday when Bubakar visited Notre Dame's campus. And obviously, uh, by the time that campus was there, that campus visit was over. Bubakar was a member of the Notre Dame recruiting class. So uh, anytime you can beat Michigan for a kid, that's a positive. And it just it's continued, and it's been happening a lot here in this class. So uh, he that's what now two yeah, – Michigan also, obviously, Brandon Davis-Swain was a the guy they wanted too. So you now have three top 100 offensive linemen in the class. You now have, I believe – seven defensive commits in the class right three defensive linemen two linebackers and two dbs yep this is on this is the verge ryan of of being a really 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 good class and we'll get into that a little bit let's talk let's get into some film let's break down the film a little bit on him you mentioned you mentioned the length obviously he's got really strong hands very nat, very impressive natural power burst off the edge or burst off the line i really like his closing mm-hmm. speed i really like the questions that I have, Ryan, at first were sort of the lateral quickness. Okay, yep. I like the feet, but not laterally. When I saw the film of him playing tight end as a blocker and a runner, you see more elusiveness. And so I think a lot of that has to do with 
in my opinion, when you look at that lack of agility or that lack of maybe not being top level in regards to the, the, I think you said flexibility, right? I think some of that has to do with the technical aspects because the one thing I notice about Bubakar right now, Ryan, is he's getting by on God-given ability. We're joined mm-hmm. by Sean Davis is in the show with us too. Sean, thank you so much. We're uh, reveling in beating Michigan for another top recruit. But when I when I look at him, Ryan, he's a really raw player fundamentally. Right. And so as I wrote in my Class Impact article, this is the kind of kid, a guy like Al Washington. Sean, I'm going to kick this over to you. This is the kind of kid that a guy like Al Washington is just drools over. Yeah. Because you're like, give me this 6'4", 255, powerful, long, good athlete type of kid that needs to be coached up. That's right in his wheelhouse. And it's, it's, it, it's what you want. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, that was one of the things we were happy about, right? There were some things spoken about Al Washington from people around the Ohio State situation with him coaching the linebackers that recruiting-wise, great. Teaching the position, ah, the production kind of dropped off, and we were wondering what was going to happen when he came back to his more natural position of coaching the defensive line. And what we saw and the way they went about teaching the defensive line in the spring practices that we were able to watch was strictly about fundamentals and getting guys to believe in themselves. A guy like Tyson Ford taking him under his wing, seeing that he's not being able to compete at his level 
early on in scrimmages, pulling him out. And as soon as he puts him back in, you see the competitive level go up based upon what he said and what he's taught in a brief session. So that goes to see that we already knew he could recruit and we already knew that he would recruit a different type of athlete at the position than Mike Elston would say. Not to say that Mike Elston wouldn't like certain guys that also Al Washington would be looking at, but Al Washington would probably be more determined to go after the higher level guys with higher ceilings more so than a Mike Elston from a depth standpoint. I think Elston would go about go after maybe two or three per class. And Al Washington is definitely going after like five, six guys. And he's staying on top of them. And you're starting to see when we talked about the recruitment of Swain, David Swain, and what made you recruit this week? What made you commit this weekend? Al Washington. What stood out about the visit? Al Washington. And it was like that simple for him. So you look at the work and the relationship he's building, which, Brian, we talked about this is very important because the legacy of relationship at that position, mm-hmm. Mike Elston did a great job. Well, yeah, and that's something we talked about in the show earlier today. Ryan and I were talking about this in an earlier show is the, it's not an accident that mm-hmm. Notre Dame, that Marcus Freeman signed. Sean, I think you and I were talking about this on the phone earlier. It's not an accident that Marcus Freeman hired a bunch of coaches that are that are built on this. But relationship is great from a recruiting standpoint. And I think that factored in and it's from a trust standpoint. But at the the end of the day, you got to teach these kids how to play the game. Yeah. And and that's the thing that was encouraging from the spring, because, you know, Ryan, you and I have talked about this before as well. Coaches don't really care a whole lot. Offensive line coaches a little bit more than others just because they're obsessed with technique. But coaches don't necessarily care a ton about, is this kid fundamentally sound? Yeah. That's like, if you're out Washington, this is what I get coached to do. Give me the kid with the tools. And I think those are the things you see. And if if the lateral quickness that we were talking about earlier maybe doesn't quite get there, I think the way that Notre Dame plays, I don't think hurts him as a big end. But when you look at this kid's frame, if he's, if he's 255 now, I don't know how much longer, you know, he, he may not be long for the big end position, but I do love the versatility that he brings. He could maybe be 270, 275 that can play big end and then also slide inside, or he may end up just keep growing and growing and growing and be a three technique. Now all of a sudden that lateral quickness doesn't really hurt him as much. Yeah. So I think the, but the versatility piece, Ryan, is so important because when you got a guy coming from the NFL and Al Golden, he's, he's not going to want you to just be able to play one spot. And I think that's something that Bubakar certainly brings to the table. Yeah, and I, I mean, even if he is slightly tight, right? Like maybe he's not the most flexible um, brusher of all time. This this is not a one size fits all for flexibility, right? Like I, I don't expect him to be as flexible as a viper because he's not going to be a viper. He's going to be a strong side defensive end, or he's going to end up growing into an interior player. And when we kind of circumvent that flexibility on the interior. That's a completely different animal, right? Like he's a very flexible player for being an interior rusher. Now he's a flexible player for being a strong side defensive end. The key traits though here, Brian, are if you believe in your coaches and you believe that they can develop 6'4", 255 as a high school junior with an 80 inch wingspan. That's all I got to say. And explosiveness. He's not like a, this isn't like a bumbling lumbering dude. Like this dude gets off the line of scrimmage and he is physical. There is natural power there. Right. Coach Bayless is going to have a, a nice time developing him in the weight room. And coach Washington is going to have a lot of fun fine tuning those athletic gifts. 
I, I want to address something else here too, fellas, because there's there's been a lot of understandable concern when looking at the players they're trying to get in this class. Bubakar being one, Brennan Vernon. They want Devin Houston. They want Jason Moore. They just got Brandon Davis Swain. And I had somebody ask, and I think it's a very fair question. There's really only one true edge guy in that group. And that's Keon Keeley. I think the thing that people have to understand is in this defense, there's really only one true edge position, and that's Viper. The big end is, it's not the same as Pete Carroll's defense in Cincinnati, but it's closer to that than the old school Mickey Andrews 4-3 at Florida State where you've got two wide edge ends, right? right, right. So that's what people have to understand. In a 4-2, that big end is not a edge player in the traditional sense. It's going to be a Khalid Kareem. It's going to be an Adi Takumba Ogandiji. It's going to be a Myron Tungavaloa, which is why Ryan and I and Sean, we've all said, that's why we think Jason Moore can still play big end, even if he feels that. Why Brendan Vernon can stay at big end and why Bubakar can stay at big end. But the manner in which they play big end also allows you to have some of those guys move inside, either A, full time, or B, as part of packages. And we saw that in the blue gold game. We saw Riley Mills and, and Alexander Ahrensberger both playing big end and both playing three technique in the same game mm-hmm. and together. Sometimes Alex was outside, sometimes Riley was inside. So I want that to alleviate some of the concerns of, gee, they're recruiting a bunch of big guys, but not a lot of Vipers. Well, they have three Vipers in two years now because they got Josh Burnham. They got Josh Burnham, Aiden Gobira, and Keon Keeley. So that's three Vipers. They're good there. What Notre Dame wants and needs, guys, and Sean, I'll kick this to you because the one thing, like Mike Elson did a good job recruiting in Notre Dame. He did. I don't want to dismiss that. There was some inconsistency that I found problematic. But one thing that he liked that we're seeing start to show more in the younger classes, but also that you can see from Al Washington, is they needed more length. Notre Dame didn't have a lot of that on the current team, let's be honest. Outside of, I mean, you've got some, there's some, you know, Jason Onye, there's some guys that have the length, but then there's a lot of Jacob Lacey's and Howard Crosses and Jason Adamilos who are really good players, but they're just not the same length. What Marcus Freeman has coveted from day one, and Ryan, you've hit on this a bunch, he wants length. And the nice thing that they've got so far, Bubakar is your shortest like guy. And Brennan Vernon is probably your guy with the least length of this group, this three-man group. That's, that's absurd. When one of those two guys is your small guy or your guy that's not long, Sean, it's so important to have. I mean, look at the – Sean, you're an NFL guy, right? You follow yeah. the NFL. Ryan does the NFL draft. What are NFL teams looking for? It's not yeah. the next Aaron Donald because they know he's a unicorn. Right. Right. It's it's give me length. Give yeah. me length. Give me length. And we saw how that length can play in because I think the length of the defensive line gave Drew Pine a lot of issues mm-hmm. trying to find windows to throw. He, he couldn't see a lot of times in the spring game. So when you think about that, the length gives you better opportunity for your pass rush to disengage from the blocker, and then it gives you a better opportunity in the run game to hold that blocker at bay and then go make the play. So length matters, athleticism matters, and like you said, Marcus Freeman, since the day he's gotten here as the defensive coordinator, has made it his business to go after that on the defensive side of the ball. I think at all positions, not just up front, linebacker, Back in corner, corner yep. absolutely. Yep. That's been one of the mainstays that you can definitely see in the way he likes to recruit. And everyone else that's come onto the staff has followed suit. And Al Washington is doing 
the exact same thing. My question to, to you guys would be, is it easier to coach length? Brian, that's that's what I would be interested in knowing from a coaching standpoint. You coach length. Is that easier to coach? Yes. If, if you have athletic yeah. but not lengthy yeah. and then athletic and lengthy, which yeah. one is easier to coach? The the, the long guy. And, and, okay. and I think Aaron Donald's a perfect example that we brought him up earlier because Aaron Donald has to be an elite technician to be effective, right? I don't care right. how quick he is. Right. I don't care how powerful he is. If he doesn't have great technique, he's going to get engulfed. He's too small, and he doesn't. And, and guys are going to eat him up, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, a guy like Quentin Nelson gets his body on a body, and Aaron Donald's done, right? Unless he has elite, obviously power is important, and all that, but he has elite technique. So you yeah. can't get, you can't engulf him. You can't get on his body. I think what a guy that's long does, Sean, is number one, it allows you to really do everything as a defensive line coach, right? It enhances your ability to block destruct. Right. There's less that you have to do. I mean, you can come off the line. We we saw this from Isaiah Foskey how many times last year. I mean, Khalid Dream made a living doing this. Like it's like whenever Khalid needed a, a big sack, he would do one of two things. He'd come off the line, he'd get his inside arm, and he'd just get in your chest and you couldn't get your hands on him and he would just drive you back into quarterback. Or he would come off, fake that move, you jab, and then he would do this and beat you. And it was just elite length. You just couldn't get on him. And so I personally think length is the thing that, that it, it's easier to coach a long guy because of the other part of it too. And Ryan, I don't know if you agree with this. I think a length also allows you to be more of a, uh, how, I'm trying to think of the correct way to say this. You can overcome mistakes mm-hmm. a lot more effectively when you're long. If you're, if you don't have great, if you're just kind of average length, we see this from offensive linemen all the time, Sean, if you just have kind of average length, and you make a mistake, you shoot your hands too early, too late, get them knocked off, you're done. Mm-hmm. You're done because you can't get that guy back off of you because he's longer than you. If you're longer and that guy gets off of me, as long as I got the power, I can kind of get back out on him. So I think the margin for error on a longer guy is a lot wider mm-hmm. than it is for a shorter guy who just can't mistake. And that's, again, that's what makes Aaron Donald unique. That's why you don't see teams like, hey, let me go find the next Aaron Donald. Because every coach with his grain of salt knows there is no next Aaron Donald, right? He, you don't yeah. look for guys like him. You just, when you find a guy that's like him, you you love it, you embrace it and all that. But there's a reason he fell in the draft as far as he did. Because <laughs> yeah. he was a freak at Pitt. Freak. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the length and all that caused him to drop, and it was a mistake. And I think Warren Sapp had some of those things, too, people kind of over, not just the weed thing, but there was other, you know, maybe he's not the this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. But you don't look for an Aaron Donald. You look for a Stephon to it, right? Right. And and I think that's kind of, for me as a coach, you you, you want that. I, and I think it's more so true on defense and offense. And, and, and you know, kind of back to Bubakar, but that's the thing. That's what makes him so good now is that length and the athleticism. Like Ryan talked about, you know, this isn't a plotting guy. This is a dude with some burst, Yeah, you know? Yeah. But the reality yeah. is, Ryan, is he is able to make plays in high school because he's so long, because mm-hmm. those kids in Massachusetts can't get on him. And right. and that's the impressive thing is he's as good as he is now, and and his technique is is really in its infancy stages. Because I, I believe, if I remember correctly, I didn't watch his sophomore film recently. But I believe he began his high school career as a linebacker. I think so, too. Yeah. So he's yeah. relatively new to the defensive line. So this isn't a shot on his high school coaches. They just want to stay championship, right? They're yeah. good football coaches. It's more of the kid just started playing defensive line. 
is more of the comment. Um, so, and, and I expect his technique to get better before he gets to Notre Dame because he plays in a really good high school program. So I want to make sure that, that people understand where I'm at. It's not a shot on his high school coaches. But that's the thing is, Ryan, is once the technique comes, like here's what I'll say. And, and Ryan, you tell me if you agree or disagree with this. Mm-hmm. I would argue of the three kids in the class right now at defensive line, Keon Keeley, Brennan Vernon, and Bubakar, I would say right now he has the lowest floor because he has the most room that's needed for improvement. But sure. I personally still gave him a five-star upside grade. I think this kid has a chance to be he, – he has got a lot of Khalid Kareem to him, mm-hmm. but, he, but I would say he's more explosive than Khalid was at the same age, in yeah. my opinion. What say you, Ryan? And then, Sean, I want you to follow up on that as well. Well, no, I mean, he's got massive upside because I think that he projects to a couple different positions. So that immediately gives me some imagination of like, hey, he can rush for multiple alignments. So at worst here, I mean, even though he's, I would agree, his floor isn't quite as high because he's not as developed. I think his floor is maybe even a little higher than that, though, Brian, because he has ability to, I think, be a sub package rusher for multiple alignments. You know, I think that he has that potential. The other thing that length does, though, I just want to add this in real quick, and it's pertinent to Triori, is that. If we're talking about a guy that might be a inside player long term, if you do not have length, if your body type is not that, you're going to have a trouble putting on weight. Like mm-hmm. that is going to be a tough part of that situation. But like if you were long, long levers, 80 inch wingspan, six foot four, and you're already 255, that projection says you could probably hold 285. You could probably do it. That's the body type that you want. That's why, in, whether it's in NFL draft circles or in recruiting circles, Body typing is a real thing. You're going to look at a player and you're going to imagine. I mean, I I talked to the def, uh, the strength coach at the University of Northern Iowa who has done that for a living, right? Like they took the kid Spencer Brown who's starting at right tackle for the Buffalo Bills who came out a couple years ago. Brian, he came into the college. He was 6'8", 220 pounds, and they have a th- four-step process where they basically project out how much are you going to weigh based upon your body at the final step of this process. I'm looking at Traore, and I'm saying as a projector, this kid's a 285-pound strong side defensive end, mm-hmm. interior defensive lineman, and that's kind of how you project yeah. that going forward. And the reason that he can project that way is because he's got that. Right. He's got those long legs. He's got those long arms. He has upside. That and that's upside. why we have the concern about Emil Wagner because he doesn't have those things, right? He doesn't have the broad shoulders and the wider hips. and the th- Like if you look at Bubakar's lower body – Guys, he's a thick built built kid. He he's thicker than Emil Wagner is in the lower body, right? So I, I think you're spot on, right, Ryan? He's either going to be a two seventy five to two hundred eighty five pound big end, or he's going to be a a, a Jason at a, a bigger version of, of Jason Adamiola as a three technique, right? And and that's either way, it's a, a good pickup, Sean. And I think the other thing too is is when you look at a guy like Bubakar. Guys, we wrote – I can't remember which one of you wrote it. I don't know if it was Sean or Ryan. But we wrote early that this is a this is a really rare year in Massachusetts. Mm. There's legitimately like five four-star kids. There's legitimately like three to four top 100 caliber kids in the state of Massachusetts. You had to take advantage because it's a – it's a, a kid goes to Catholic Memorial, Right. You had to take advantage of that. They've now landed two of those guys. They got Preston Zinter earlier, now getting Bubakar. And that's the thing that we're seeing from the staff so far is they're not really missing. And when they set their sights on a kid, they're getting it. And that includes beating a team in Michigan who had a D-line coach that 
had already established a relationship with Bubakar at Notre Dame, there's a greater need for a kid like Bubakar at Michigan, for being honest. And they're coming off a flipping playoff appearance. And yet Notre Dame is just absolutely destroying them on the recruiting trail right now, which just speaks volumes about it. And and again, to to be able to go into Massachusetts and get another big time player out of the state is huge because it's not going to happen very often. At least no. it may. I mean, maybe it becomes the next Arizona. I, I don't know because of some of the private schools and, you know, maybe they get some kids from out of state or whatever. But for right now, I don't expect it. But when it happens, you take advantage. And Bubakar is just the latest in, in the line of it's a great year in the north. Notre Dame's got to take advantage. And so far, they're doing just that. And another thing with this kid, you watch his film, the one thing you see is the impact with his hands when he makes mm-hmm. contact. Like I saw him drive a couple of tackles back just like immediately he snapped their neck back on initial contact with his hands, which bodes very well, especially if he's going to be that big end. You make contact and do like you said, what Khalid Kareem used to do. Get a guy, drive him back, and then as he builds his counters at Notre Dame with with the coaching of Al Washington and the rest of the staff, he's definitely going to be a dangerous kid. And like Ryan pointed out, you know, his movement, you know, at that size, if he does get to 6'5", 285, and is it is it really 80 inches? Are we really talking yeah. about 80 inches as yeah. far as reach? His wingspan. Wingspan. Six-foot-eight wingspan for people out there, yep. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. So you're getting that. There's no one more happier today than Al Washington. Yeah, and Al Golden sitting back saying, "Look at what we have to work." Right. I want to. I want to say this too, Sean. This is a. This is a, Big Jim said this. Uh, Al Washington grinding steals kid from his alma mater. This is one of those ones where I. I, I kind of. You know, want to want to kind of ask yourself, like, you know, this is one where. How much did Al Washington's experience? He coached for five years at Boston College and played mm-hmm. at Boston College. Yeah. They're they're taking advantage of that to be able to dip into the state and get one of the top kids from one of the top the top kid from one of the top programs in the country and it, maybe it does build a pipeline because there's a there's a two twenty two thousand twenty four offensive lineman that you interviewed from this high school yeah uh, it's a Garrity Lambert right Garrity Lambert yeah you know so uh, re- really really big pickup and then practically speaking like I said you can put him Brennan Vernon and Keon Keely on the field together I mean that yeah. that's the key. And, you know, it's it's really it's a really, really big pickup. So let's kind of talk about sort of how he fit, how, how the what kind of like a what's next for this class. OK. There's been a lot of discussion about will they go four? will they go five? You know, Sean, we talked about this in March when you guys came for practice and we sat down at dinner and we're talking like, here's the deal. Right. I remember I just got off the phone. And I was like, here's the deal, right? They're at four right now, but you got some people on campus that are pushing for five. And it sounds like the people that are pushing for five, and you know one of them's like <coughs> Washington, um, right. is is happy. But I, I I believe that this move of getting Bubakar is evidence to me. There's two ways you can take it. One is they don't feel confident where they are with Jason Moore. But based on my latest intel as of two days ago, that's not the case. Or it's the voices pushing for five are going to win. And that's what it sounds like this is. So you now have three offensive linemen in the class. We expect Devin Houston to make his announcement, his decision, whatever that may be, uh, here in the next week and a half, right? It's what we're expecting. 
and and then you've got Jason Moore. And so what they're doing, what here's what I find impressive, Sean. Now it helped that he got here with two guys already in the class. Yeah. That helped. But they really haven't expanded the board. They offered the kid from Massachusetts or the kid from Texas and the kid from Maryland on one day, but they they haven't really recruited either one of those guys hard. He's doing he's pulling a Harry He stand right now in that his board is small and he's just zeroing in on those guys. Say, I'm just going to go get them. Yeah. You have a board of 50 people. I know who I want. I'm just going to go get them. And so far it's, it's going, it's going really well because, you know, you've now got three top 100 commits in the class. I mean, this kid is ranked number 83 and 88 and he's the lowest ranked kid in the class as yeah. of right now of the it's defensive a, linemen. It's a mindset we're not used to Brian. And we kind of mm-hmm. discussed this earlier today with Marcus Freeman and his staff the mindset that they're bringing in recruiting to whereas, and this might sound crazy, but whatever number you want to give it because you've been around the program, there are only a certain amount of kids in the United States that are good enough mm-hmm. to play at Notre Dame. Like this is the standard and we're pulling from this group and Al Washington is saying the standard we have in Notre Dame, there's a select few guys that I want to go after because they're they're the only ones that are really good enough to go at Notre Dame. And I'm going mm-hmm. after them with a vengeance, and I'm going to get them. And settling is not even part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's a refreshing thing to hear and to sense coming from the way they're going about their business and recruiting because it's kind of a departure. It, it's a, Sean, seen. it's a big departure. And this yeah. is something that you and I were talking about earlier. Um the, the the reality is, is like in the past, Brooks Barr would have already been in his class. Yeah. Yeah. Solid kid. Right? And and good, good player. Good, right? player. good solid player. Like borderline four-star kid. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd have been talking about his upside and all this stuff, right? It's not a knock on Brooks Barr. Elston goes to Michigan and takes him almost immediately. Yeah. Because that was the mindset. Like, look, yeah. he's a good football player. Like, you're not going to go down there and get a, this guy and a, that guy and the other guy. This staff is not accepting that. No. And and they're not accepting, okay, this kid's committed to this kid's committed to BC. Okay. We're, we're Notre Dame, right? Like, so what? This kid's in Ohio State's backyard. Oh, okay. okay. You know, and you know, and that's where that's where the Marcus Freeman effect came in because if you, it's not a coincidence that you know, in Mike Elson's however many months working with Marcus Freeman, they get they get, you know, Keon Keeley and Tyson Ford and Aiden Gobira and 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 Brennan Vernon. Yeah. And I think that's the big key is it's you've got to be willing to you've got to be willing to lose those battles. Right. And I think that was an issue in the past is they they weren't willing to lose those battles. And now it's it's like, OK, we're going to fight those battles because, A, we think we're going to win. And B, because we know that's what it takes to to get to that level. And and this is the kind of guy. And, and, and I'll say this. I, I do think if Elson was at Notre Dame this is a kid he would have continued to go after. Like this would have been right up his wheelhouse, right? Like Massachusetts kid, yeah. you know, committed to BC. I, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, there's no way they'd have got Bubakar if Mike Elson wasn't here. But I just think with, without Washington here, it's, 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 was a, it was a no brainer, but it's that they're going to continue adding. They're not just going to say, Hey, we're good. So let's go get some pro, you know, projectable kid, that kind of thing. It's, Hey, we got these guys. Let's keep rocking and rolling. And that's the key. So Devin Houston, Jason Moore, that's the board right now, folks. I mean, that's the board. It's it's they're going to try to close on both of them. And and whether or not they're able to do that or not, we'll see. Yeah. But that's that's the plan. That's the plan.
So, yeah. And now, I mean, now we have to start talking about this is another top 100 defensive and defensive line recruit just in, in the in the 2023 class. And it could be four if Jason Moore ends up coming aboard. So, right. I mean, just absurd to think about, man. Just absolutely it, absurd. Let's just say hypothetically they get Jason Moore and Devin Houston, which right now I feel really good about Devin Houston. Jason Moore, I'll feel better when he gets back on campus. Is that fair? That's fair. But let's just say they, they get him right now. Devin Houston would be your lowest ranked guy in that class. And he's a top 250 kid, 200, yeah, depending on the service. I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm I'm because there's a couple that I believe, and I would argue that in, by some of those people, he's underrated because that kid's a really good football player. Agreed. I think some of these services haven't updated their recruiting rankings lately. But he's ranked number 177 by 247 Sports, and he's ranked number 182 by ESPN. Rivals doesn't have him in the 250, and he's like 267. He's 190 on the 247 composite list. That would be your lowest ranked guy. Even if they don't get Jason Moore, they just get him. He's your fourth lowest guy out of four. And he's, and, he's, a, and, and he's your least athletic player. He might be the nose of the group. Yeah. <laughs> and he plays defensive end. He's least school. athletic. It's like, yeah. okay, yeah, I get what you're saying, but the kid's athletic. I mean, that's that's the thing. This kid can move. Exactly. And, and he, he provides a little bit of the beef. What's going to be interesting is of Brennan Vernon and Bubakar, which one outgrows big end and which one stays. And if, if they get Jason Moore, it's the same conversation. So that's going to be something, something certainly to watch moving forward. So big, I also don't think it's, I, I also don't think it's unlikely, Brian, that like maybe all of Moore, Vernon and Houston outgrow strong side defensive end down the road. Right. And then you're talking about a couple of years from now, you got Keon Keeley, you got Brandon Vernon. I mean, not Brandon Vernon, uh, Joshua Burnham and mm-hmm. you, some, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a possibility. I think, I think what they would like is they would like for none of them to grow out, outgrow big end, but for all of them to outgrow big end. And here's what I mean by that. I think they would like to have the potential for all three of those guys to be able to play two spots. That's what I think they want. And again, when you understand the nature of that position, you understand how it is practical, right? I mean, it's it's possible to do that. And <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. I just saw this response you just put in the chat. Um, so I think that's ideally what Al Golden is looking for, what Al Washington is looking for, what I think Coach Freeman is looking for. It's Because it's the same thing with Tyson Ford, right? Like, is Tyson Ford a big end or a three technique? And my answer is yes. Is Brennan Vernon a big end or a three technique? How about Jason Moore? Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> like, no, 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 you didn't hear the question. Is he a big end or a three technique? Like, no, I heard I heard you the first time. My answer is yes. I think that's what they're looking for. And that's how you can line up. And, and you know, because we talk about receivers, right? You know, you want to have receivers that, you know, Ryan, we talked about this show today. If you have like Styles, you you know, Styles is a W on plays, Z the next plays. Why why can't you do that on defense? Right. And what the NFL is showing is that you can. I mean, I've seen, I don't watch a lot of NFL, but I, I remember there's one, I forget which game it was in the playoffs. I was watching, I was like, they have four defensive ends on the field. Like, I think they have four defensive ends on the field. Or there was one, I think it was the Chiefs. I was like, do they only have two defensive linemen on the field like right now? Like, is that what I'm looking at right this second? And, and, and that's the mentality of, hey, look, if we're attacking, if we're about athleticism and length, I don't need – and this is where some fans need to kind of get out of their, their minds, the old school of you need your traditional nose, mm-hmm. you know, you need your 300-pounders, 
give me a bunch of 285 pounders that are long, twitchy, and powerful with powerful hands, and I'm going to have a phenomenal defensive line. And that's what Notre Dame's going for because now on this particular series, I'm going to have Brendan Vernon running nose. I'm going to have Jason Moore's my three technique, and Bubakar is going to be my big end. The next series I'm coming out, and I got Brendan Vernon at big end, and I got Jason Devin Houston at no. I mean, you, you mix them all around, and you could even do that within a series. And I think that's the real. And then if you got a guy like you know a Keon Keeley or a Josh Burnham, there's all types of different things you can do. You can go with a with those three kids. You can go with a basically an odd front, and just flip which side you want to put Keon Keeley at, you know, and do some different games with them there. So I think that's what they're looking to do. I don't know that for a fact. But when I look at the kids they recruited last year, Tyson Ford, Aiden Gobira, I look at the kids they're recruiting this year, and then I look at the fact they've already got Brandon Davis Swain. He's the exact same kind of kid that we just talked about. Yeah. He's exactly like Bubakar and Brennan and Jason Moore in that he's long. He's got great hands. He's probably the most fluid of all of them athletically. He's a really smooth athlete, mm-hmm. at least at that same age. But they're all similar players. You're like, well, how are you going to play all those guys? Well, it's because – they the way the defense is going to be run right and like that's what texas a m is going to have to figure out how to do because the way texas a m runs ran their defense they have like two interior guys and two edge guys and it's a different kind of defense right mm-hmm. this one is a little bit different and i and it's i'm very curious how it's going to play out but that's what i think they're doing that's again that's just my opinion but that's what i think that they're doing i actually like the versatility because when you have guys like this that are interchangeable and can play multiple positions you can pick and choose where you want to attack the offensive line mm-hmm. and it's sort of right. like what alabama does with will anderson like it comes to a third down and will anderson chooses which guy on the offensive line he wants to attack like he'll go inside or he'll come from the edge and when you have a guy like that you have versatility that's a weapon that a lot of teams don't have, the versatility to mix match on the defensive line when it comes to a third and long or a second and long passing situation to go ahead and do what you say they do in the NFL, which is four defensive linemen or four defensive ends, which was the attack that the Giants used against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like they went to a lot of 4 DN look, especially in passing situations, and they gave that offensive line issues because they were able to attack you know, I guess the holes in that offensive line or the weakest link in that offensive line, when you can give have that versatility, you can have guys that can do both and play multiple positions along the line, it's definitely something that gives you an advantage. And, and it's the movement too, right? I mean, what yeah. do offensive linemen hate to do, especially interior offensive linemen? They, like to, they hate to move laterally. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just the thing. I mean, you're literally going to have these guys line up in multiple techniques and there's going to be movement everywhere. And even this year, I expect a lot of movement up front for just what the team has now. And then Maris Loyfowl's blitz an A or B gap. And then that's kind of how you manufacture pressure a little bit too. So a lot of possibilities. Well, And then moving forward, you're talking about Jalen Sneed and Nolan Ziegler and Junior Tualamaka and Drake Bowen and Preston Zinner. So length and speed, right? Length, speed, yeah. athleticism. That's what they want. And I think Bubakar adds that. There's no doubt about it. Here, here's an interesting question before we kind of get to some questions here, guys. This is a comment that Sid Irish made. And when Sid Irish is coming at you with positivity, you know things are going well. Sid, I'm just <laughs> kidding with you. Uh, he says, best D-line class since Lynch, Williams, and Tuit. I'm going to say not just yet. Not just yet. And the reason I'm going to say that is, is because the, the, the 2016 D-line class had five dudes that are in the NFL right now. 
And I would say this one has a little bit more high upside, obviously with Keon Keeley, but that one had legit NFL guys, right? You had Khalid Kareem, Dalen Hayes, Julian Aguara, Adi Takumba Ogundiji, and then Jameer Jones ended up being a defensive lineman as well. So I'm not quite ready to de- definitively say this is the best one. I think when they add one more, then it becomes that. I think if they add, if they add one of Houston or more, it becomes that. And I'll, I'll go this far. If they add Jason Moore and Devin Houston, it will be better than the 2011 class. And here's why. That 2011 class, and and here's why they only need to add one more to be better than 2016. The problem with the 2016 class was all ends. They didn't sign a single interior guy. The problem with the 2011 class is they signed some interior guys. It was like Tony Springman and, and Brad Carrico, who ended up, I think, being kind of an offensive line type of guy. She had great edge players, not so good inside. What would make this group special is you are dominant up the middle and on the edge. And I think that's that's why I think it has a chance to be. So, Sid, I like where your head's at, but I'm not quite ready to go there just yet because it's an incomplete class up to the point in time. They need a fourth guy. But if they get that fourth guy, they surpass 2016 because they'll have just as much depth, higher floors, and the best player of the two groups will be in this class, Keon Keeley. If they get more and and Houston, then it surpasses, in my opinion, the 2011 class, which up to this point in time is still the best class because we often forget. Like it had Eshack, it had Aaron Lynch, it had Stefan to it. It also had Anthony Rabasa, who was a pretty good football player, you know. And then and then Ben and then Ben Council was being recruited to play linebacker, but he was one of the you know that was in a three four defense where he was you know it's kind of like a defensive lineman. You had Tony Springman in that class as well, who ended up being a, a key rotation player in the 2012 defense. So that's still the best one to the to the moment, but this class has a chance to surpass that, which I, is saying something. I think the promise of establishing the pipeline, if you remember, because that was huge. Like, what? Mm-hmm. We got a kid like that from Florida? What? We got a kid like that from Georgia? Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. We got a kid like that from New Jersey or New York? Right. Like when you talked about those three guys, you thought that would open up the pipeline right. to those specific areas, and it did get more talent, and it yeah. didn't. No, and they didn't. Forward. They didn't follow through on it. They didn't take it. I mean, because yeah. like you had a you had a decent D line class the next year. It was good talent wise, but it came up short in numbers. You had like Jerron Jones and Sheldon Day and yeah. Romeo Aquara, which was pretty good. But then it was like 2014. It like it, you know, or uh, that was the 2012. Then 2013. They came up short numbers. They got Isaac Rochelle, who's a good player, but I think the only other guy they got was like Jacob Matuska because they lost Eddie Vanderdose. He came up short numbers. You know, then 2014, you signed a bunch of dudes, but you, I mean, Pete Makwa and Johnny Williams and, you know, Grant Blankenship. Just, a, you know, it took a lot of numbers. It, it, just, it just didn't make a lot of sense. 2015, again, you know, you're getting some good players, but not the depth. And, you know, that's the key is it's got to, you got to string it together consistently. And, and that's what I'm excited about because, you know, since Marcus Freeman has, has arrived at Notre Dame, they've gotten Tyson Ford, Aiden Gobira, Donovan Heinish, and then obviously the three kids in the class. It's got you got to string it back to back to back. And this is what you know we are talking about. I think it was today's show, Ryan. They all bleed together. We're talking about you know like if you get this great class, it's a gap closing class, but it's not a gap erasing class because, in my opinion, just defensive line wise, because in my opinion, Alabama can have a class that can match that maybe but even if they don't the difference is Bama does it every year Georgia does it every year that's going to be the key but this would make two years in a row you've landed dudes because Tyson Ford and Aiden Gobira are dudes 
And so, and then you're already off to a good start in 2024 because you got Brandon Davis Swain, who's a top 100 player. So that's yep. going to be the key. And that's what the hope is, is that Al Washington, however long he's here, can just open up that juggernaut, Sean, to your point, where it then becomes a, a just, hey, you want to be a top draft pick in the NFL as a defensive lineman, go to Notre Dame. Because look what they're doing. And they've produced a lot of NFL guys. And we can't dismiss the fact that what Elson did, proved from a – like you can sell, it's like what Jeff Quinn did. When Jeff Quinn was at Notre Dame, he sold the O line new tradition, even though he didn't build it. He had no part in building it, but you can sell it. What Al Washington can also sell is is the Aquaras, the Kareems, the Hayes, the, the, the Ogandijis, the Tillers. Like he played a big role in that. We can't dismiss that. Like Keith Gilmore recruited that class, but Mike Elson coached it. And so that helps Al Washington too, plus his ability, his talent, his ability to build relationships, the trust he can build, and his own track record because he can go into Massachusetts and be like, hey, do y'all remember the last time I was coaching D-line? It was right down the street. Do you remember what we did? There's this cat named Harold Landry had 22 and a half tackles for loss and 16 and a half sacks that year. And we had another guy named Zach Allen, uh, Ryan, which last time I checked, that guy's pretty good too. Decent player. You know, and, yep. and so – he can show that. So it's really kind of come together. And then of course, just, you know, with Marcus Freeman and all that. So it's, man, it, it, I keep, it's like I said the other day in that Intel piece, guys, I keep trying to find bad news so we can balance it and not come across as like a fanboy site, but I'm still looking, right. I'm still searching because right now it's like when they say, Hey, we want that guy, they go and get, I mean, with the exception of, you know, I'd say uh, the exception, Ryan and I, I think Ryan and I, or no, Sean, it was you and I talking about this. The exception to Cardinal Tate right now, I still don't know of a top target on the board that's just gone. Justin Rett and Cardinal Tate, that's it. I mean, Car you know, Caleb Downs is on the board. Jay Osbury's on the board. Sam and Pemba's on the board. Like, all their top targets are still on the board. Samson Oklahoma is still on the board, even though we don't think they're going to get him. But mm -hmm. they're still going to end up with one of the best O-line classes in the country, most likely. So it has really been impressive to see what the staff has been able to do. And they're now back to number one. In the recruiting rankings, they've surpassed the the oh, monstrous sir. class that Texas Tech is putting together. Oh, they're better so, than Texas Tech now! Wow. Yeah, with That's eleven. Incredible. Yeah, they passed them. Yeah. Well, in the point system, picking up your sarcasm. Didn't pick it up at first, uh, but they are officially ranked number one on Rivals now, and they were already ranked number one on two four seven composite, and now uh, they're ranked number one on the two port two four seven composite by an even greater degree. I'm actually curious what. 247's team rankings are just for their rankings because that's the thing that I will say this that's the thing that drives me nuts about 247 is when they give a kid's ranking they give the composite ranking not their own which drives me nuts yeah they're, they're still trailing uh old Texas Tech on the 247 by 1.39 points you gotta watch out for those Red Raiders man yeah I'll say this, out. though. They are putting together a nice class, though. For Texas Tech? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For uh -huh. Texas Tech. Yeah, that, sta that new staff is doing a really nice job there. All right, guys. So, commitment number 11, Bubakar Traore. Notre Dame's on the verge of something special on the defensive line. Now it's about what's next, right? And that's the key. And we talked, we broke it down already. But, man, it's 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 fun to see what they're doing. It's also fun to see that you know there's more coming down the pike. I mean, top of my head, at least three. We expect at least three big announcements in May. You know, could be more. You know, this when I did my five and a half for the month, I didn't have I didn't have Bubakar and Brandon Davis Swain on my list. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's the impressive thing about it. So 
uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So, Sean, I know you got to run here. I think, are you guys doing a show tonight? Yeah, we got a show at about 7.05. We're going to be focusing on some of the things that were said from the coaching staff during the spring game. You could actually, did you guys learn how to read lips? Because like this, the sound kind of broke up every two seconds. Listen to that garbage peacock feed. That's that peacock feed. Oh my we got god! Some, we still were able to get some good stuff from Marcus Freeman. So that is so. Stuff, they should ne- Notre see. Dame should say we are never doing another game with you until you can fix. Because the 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 quality of the video was crap, the audio was crap. It just sucked, and it wasted what I thought was a good analysis from from Ryan Harrison, the guy that did play by play. I have no clue who he is, but I thought he did a decent job. Yeah. So anyway, Sean, any any parting thoughts here before you get out of here? I would say what we anticipated May, I mean April to be for Notre Dame is probably just pushed back to May. Yeah, because that's like, one of the things we had talked about, Sean, was it's not just about landing kids in April, it's yeah. setting yourself up for future success in yeah. June. Like we talked about, you're not going to get Caleb Downs in, in April. No. But if you can have a good enough visit with him then maybe you can get him to come back and close on him in, in January or June. Yeah. And that's going to be a big thing. So April's been very successful. Maybe not the numbers we thought because some guys have pushed their commitments back, but there's still guys we expect to commit to Notre Dame. And it's, it's been, uh, it's been big. And that I, what you, the word you, and I'll leave you guys to talk about this, the word numbers. I think there are some guys that are about to start feeling the pressure of the numbers game to have offers. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I think some guys are about to see some things happen and like, Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I shouldn't hold this out until August. Right. So all I'll say is Sean, I, I like this aisle that they're shopping down, you know, it's really, it's really <laughs> delightful. My aisle. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <man. laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, this oh. is like the this is like the steak seafood aisle happening right now, man. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think Joseph Wright nailed it. A recruiting wave is coming. I can feel it. Uh, Joseph, I would say it's already here. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it's already started. But yeah, it's. Um, and look, let's be honest. Every conversation goes back to what, guys? Every recruiting conversation, and whenever 2023 comes around, it goes back to what guy. What was the question? Say it one more time. <laughs> the head guy. No, whenever, like, when we talk about recruits, whenever we talk recruiting, where does it always turn? Dante Moore. Dante Moore. Dante. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You said you, you got to know the staff is like, hey, man, 
do you see what we're building for you? Yeah. <laughs> right. No right, one's right. going to score on us, Dante. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. what we're doing. Right. Just sign one of the three or four best defensive classes in the entire country in 2022. Right. And the 2023 staff is like, uh, okay, you think that was good? <laughs> you know, wait till you see what we got planned next. And that's the key, right? It's, it's about trying to outdo yourself every year. That's what great recruiting staffs do. Hey, we had the number one class in the country, but let's make it even better next year. Hey, we had the number three class in the country. We're not satisfied. We want number one next year. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a that's a really, really big one. So certainly a big, big, big pickup for Notre Dame. Sean, thanks for joining us. Enjoy your show tonight. We're going to go through a Q&A here now, folks. And so we're going to answer some questions about, uh, about this pickup and some other recruiting things here. So, Ryan, let's just start at the top. As I as and Adam Ziliak says, does this doesn't affect the talking about the Bubakar Traore commitment? This doesn't affect the recruitment of Jason Moore, does it? No, it does not. It does not. The, the internal debate at one point was, can we take five or is four the number? Mm-hmm. They are now set that five is the number, obviously, because Traore would have been the fifth in that hypothetical situation. This does not affect Jason Moore at all. Jason Moore will always be a take for Notre Dame. There is no question. Yeah. And the next question is along the same lines. Does this affect Devin Houston at all? I'm sure Jason Moore is still a take. He is correct about Jason Moore being a take, and the same answer is true there. No. Notre Dame loves Devin Houston. Loves Mm -hmm. Devin Houston. So, as we said earlier, we expect – well, actually, I shouldn't say it's because said earlier because this was said after Steve had already posed the question, now that I'm looking at the time. Uh, We expect Devin Houston's recruitment to end somewhat soon. And we like where Notre Dame is in his recruitment right now. And he is still a take, no question. And again, this, what this is a reflection of, guys, is as we as, – because some people jump on later, but it's a reflection of more of, hey, they're going to be able to take all five now. And so now it's like you don't have to play the games. You don't have to play the, well, let's push this kid back and let's do this and let's do the other thing. It's like, hey, let's take five. And I think that's a, a really big piece to this whole thing. Matt D with a comment. He says, Al Washington is definitely taking what Elson had done to a whole new level. It's a good start, but let's not forget the the, the two dudes that were already in the class were, were Elston. By Mike right. Elston. Right, right. Right. So I think it's going to continue. But I, what I don't want to do is because he left for Michigan, and I didn't like that decision. I, I, I hate Michigan, right? But mm-hmm. let's not pretend like Mike Elson wasn't a guy we constantly praised before he left, right? And was he perfect? Very good coach. Do I think Al Washington is going to be better than him? Yes. But he didn't leave the cupboard dry, right? We think Al Al Washington is going to coach one of the best defensive lines in the country next year. Mm -hmm. None of the guys on that line are guys he recruited, unless you want to count the Harvard transfer, Chris Smith, right? So – I think Al Washington is going to take the – like Matt to Matt's comment, I think he's going to take it to a whole new level. And and I know that Matt – the reason I'm saying that to Matt's comment is because I know Matt's feelings on Mike Elson. And he and I know that Matt knows that Coach Elson has, has, has did a really good job. And so what Matt's saying is it's going to go to another level. And I and I think he's right. I think that's, that's going to be a – that's going to be a key. All right, Ashley Hill. I love this comment from Ashley. I had to get it up. He goes, oh, oh, wow. They messed up and let a person who cares have the keys to Notre Dame. In turn, he got more coaches who care about their education and future and its importance. Freeman will need protection. There's a lot. I've said this, Ryan, you know, I've said this for a long time. And I said this 
there's a, there was a lot of people that wanted no part of Marcus Freeman being the head coach in Notre Dame. There's a lot of coaches around the country. And I, and I've been told this before he took over, this was, I was told this before, before last season, after he was hired, Ryan, you remember, I think I told you this. And I think I've said this on the site too. I was told by a power five coach whose team has been in the playoff that nobody wants Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame as far <laughs> as out. Nobody. Because they know, they know how little they saw Brian Kelly on the trail. They know how little they saw some of Notre Dame's. They knew that once we got involved, we knew Notre Dame was going to bow out. Mm-hmm. That's just how it was. There was like maybe two coach. There's three coaches in the last ten years who, uh, four that wouldn't bow out. Dembrock never stepped uh, back down from a fight. Mike Elko never backed down from a fight. Chip Long never backed down from a fight. And Harry Heastan said, "I'll get whatever offensive lineman I want. I don't care from." Mm-hmm. Outside of that, yeah, a lot of coaches have backed down. And in a lot of it, not always, but a lot of instances. And so, yeah, this staff is willing to fight, and that's what people are afraid of. And that's what we talked about in an earlier show. You have you, and the product is so much better now. Better on-field product, better facilities, all the upgrades. You know, so I said Notre Dame's a sleeping giant, and this is this is why I was always so hard on the previous coach and the previous staff of, well, they're getting top ten classes every year, and they're going to yeah, but they should be better. And right. This this staff is showing it, Ryan. Well, and and. F- if anything, well, not if anything, Marcus Freeman is a different thinker than what has been at Notre Dame at the top of the class. He has changed the ideology of how we are going to attack recruiting, who are we going to target, what can, what can, what type of player and what type of person can succeed at Notre Dame. And he came, and I mean, it's a culture shock to a degree, right? Because like you're used to what Notre Dame had done, and then someone immediately comes in, and it's different. Yeah. He presents himself different. He presents the program different. He thinks differently. And that is what is the biggest change. It's not that Notre Dame is more attractive in a vacuum, right? Like it's still the Notre Dame, the, the aura that everyone is used to, the historic program, the great education. None of that has changed. The difference is, is that there's a person calling the shots at the top who is not afraid of competition, who understands that I need to identify great football players who can can succeed here. It's just different. And the difference is again, not that not that he can not that he changed some things around so now he could target this player and target that player. The academics is less of an issue than it's ever been. Every standard that Notre Dame has stood for is still intact. It's just now that there's somebody at the top that is willing to look past the hurdles, the different aisles, all those mm-hmm. perceived handicaps and say I'm going to compete with them. Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, whoever, it doesn't matter. That's what we're seeing right now, in my opinion. Right. And Anthony Solomon said, I remember, he said, Brian, I remember when you said college coaches were hoping Marcus Freeman would not get the Notre Dame job because of his recruiting prowess. Checkmate. And this is exactly what they were afraid of. It's exactly what they were afraid of. Mm -hmm. And and it's not just Marcus Freeman. It's Marcus Freeman. It's Tommy Reese. It's Chancey Stuckey. It's Harry Heastan. I mean, that's the thing. It's the staff. And as we were talking about on an earlier show, you know, it it it, it in, it's one of those things where you're not it's not just ever one guy anymore. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's 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 not just Harry Heastan. It's Harry Heastan and Chad Bowden and Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese. It's not just Al Washington for D Lyman. It's Al Washington, Marcus Freeman, Chad Bowden, Al Golden. They're all involved, and that's that's why they're able to have the success that they're having. Yeah, and and you know, it's a it's it's a really impressive thing. Connor Patton with a super chat says, couldn't be more excited for the class of 2023. Thanks for the quality coverage, Connor. Thank you 
very, 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 very much. We appreciate it. And hey, you know what? Actually, Connor, I believe that this young man is not too far from where you live. I believe. I believe you're now in New Hampshire, Vermont, one of those two. So you may have to get down to a game here at some point in time. Evan Gaddy says, Brian, Ryan, Sean, I met y'all on Saturday at the Irish Breakdown Tailgate. It was great meeting you, Evan. It was a lot. That was a fun. That was a fun day. A lot of fun for that. Mm-hmm. Kirk Kish Squared says, I know that Notre Dame still wants Houston, but does Houston see four top 100 guys is too much competition? No. I don't think – because the thing about Houston is that he projects a little closer to a true nose in this system than mm-hmm. if – like if a Jason Moore ends up inside, if a Brandon Vernon ends up inside, if a Traor, uh, Bubakar Triori ends up inside, they're more three-tech types, Right. Houston is probably going to be a three tech to nose in this system. So he projects just a little bit differently. So in that respect, the guys aren't going to be clogging his ability to play the play, play uh, the nose position, right? Cause there's just not anybody that really projects the favorably to that position. So he's a little bit of a different animal as far as his style. Right. There was another question that, that I, I accidentally unstarted. And so I, I, I'm trying to find it, but somebody asked if you get, Bubakar, Devin, and Jason to go with Keon and Brennan Vernon. Did you get your? Did you go five for five for top targets? I mean, there were some other guys on the board early that they they liked David Hicks early. You sure, know, there was guys on the board, but as far as the guys they zeroed in on, mm-hmm. pretty close. Pretty yeah, close to to batting a thousand. You know, again, there's some guys that they would that they liked. I mean, if David Hicks was more interested, they probably would have made a, a push for him as well. He's a highly ranked guy, although. He's a good player. I just I don't see five star with him, like some people have. But still, really really good football player. But I mean, you're you're cl- basically, if you look at it and say, okay, was this their top five guys? I don't know if I'd say that. But what I would say, Ryan, is that the way that we've explained how it really works is there's a group of guys that you say those are the guys we really want. We want to fill the class from guys from that group. And all five of these kids, if they're able to get them, well, so far, all three of the kids they've landed are definitely in that group. And Jason Moore, Devin Houston, who are the guys left on the board, if they were to get them, are also guys from that group. Absolutely. Yeah, they're getting a group guys. I hate saying a group because here it is from Kamikaze fullback. This is the one I was referring to. Uh, Did they go pretty much five for five on their targets? And so that kind of. That kind of answers that. Sid Irish says, uh, Keeley, Traore, Moore, Houston, Vernon, best line in the country. Ryan, I, I think I think you'd have a hard time convincing me there there's a, a, a combination of five that could be better than that. Because you've got, in that group right there, you've got three, at least three top 50 players, in my opinion. Yeah. In Keeley, yeah. Jason Moore, and Brennan Vernon. You have another top 100 kid in Traore, and then you've got a top 150 kid in, in Devin Houston, who who I really I, – I, I really like Devin Houston, especially as a nose, because he fills his his need is arguably the biggest need fill in the Agreed. class. You could argue, Agreed. yep. So I, I mean, I'd have I, it'd be hard for anyone to kind of to to kind of tap that, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, unless Texas A and M grabs seven defensive linemen again, like they but again, but if, if all these five kids stay in the class, it's like. They can is play there together. enough highly ranked five yeah. that you could be better than this? Is yeah. there a five that you could go buy? No. That'd be, it, it'd be hard. It'd be hard. I love this comment from Michael Parks. He was Al Washington went full Texas a <laughs> Love it. 
And I don't know how he did that because Notre Dame's not offering guarantees. So, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know how you're able to put together that class in this era of NIL because kids are – every single good player in the country is looking for an NIL handout is what I was told by some. So, <laughs> you know, a little bit of sarcasm there. Let's get to this next one. Colin McCann with a comment. He says, uh, makes me so hyped checking out the recruiting rankings and seeing Notre Dame in the number one spot. Despite all the NIL talk, facilities crap, academic excuses, nutritionist BS, this, that, and the other. I, Colin, I, th- I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. I mean, look, are those things important things for Notre Dame to continue to improve upon? Yes. The point is, is those things aren't necessarily, especially the first two, aren't deal breakers for every kid in the country. Some are. We talk about receiver, and we could point to a guy for sure that that's a big issue for but there are a lot of kids out there that that kids, especially today, are a lot more savvy and and aware of the what the opportunities in front of them, Ryan, than, than used to be there. Yeah, and I and I think that's a big thing why they're still able to continue to go out and get these top kids, and and continue to fill out the class with really really good football players. Yep, yep. I, I love I love how Callen kind of just put everything out there too, right? Like, yeah. all, it's not even just you know, excuses all the way around. Like he hit every single thing that you've yeah. ever heard about Notre Dame as far yeah. as like why they can't land some players. It's just really funny yeah. to think about. Yeah, Thank it's you, amazing Colin. how it just all of a sudden changed just like that. And then the excuse out of some places will be, well, you know, they clearly uh, lowered the academic standards. I can assure you with 100% certainty that Marcus Freeman has not been given exceptions to get players that didn't already exist. Uh, so that's a fallacy. Jay, Jay is fired up. He says, add Jason Moore, Devin Houston, and Samuel and Pemba, and the gap is closed. For this particular class, I would agree. The key, however, to truly close the gap is you've got to string these together, right? 2022, really good D-line class on the edge. They were a guy away up the middle, right, from really being there. This class, home run. The two together, home run. And then now it's about, okay, finish this class and then get to 2024 and do the same thing next year. Mm-hmm. That's obviously going to be the key because that's what Bama does. That's what Georgia does. I mean, you talk about Georgia's defensive line class. I mean, how many of those kids are going to go in the first two, three rounds of this draft? And it would have been another if Adam Anderson wasn't a, you know, accused yep. of the horrible, well, actually not accused, indicted, indicted. Yeah. A trial uh, yep. for a pretty, pretty horrible thing. I mean, but that's the key. It's not just one class or a couple guys here and there. That's what, and this is what we talked about. We had a thing on the message board, Ryan, and it was like, where's Notre Dame got the gap closed right now? And I said, D line, it's not. Like, I think this is going to be a great D line, but the problem is if Isaiah Foskey goes down, there's a big drop off between him and the next guy. Mm-hmm. Where if Williams goes down to Bama, you just slide Dallas Turner right into that position <laughs> or slide in Keanu Code into that position or slide, you know what I mean? Now, those guys won't be as good as him but they're still going to be really good. And that's the, that's the thing. That's where Notre Dame has got to get to. That's why the consistency of recruiting elite classes is important. Well, that, I mean, you just mentioned Dallas Turner and Will, and Will Anderson. I mean, they just chased off Drew Sanders, who's <laughs> a pretty good player too, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's that ridiculous right now. And right. you're right. They have to get to there. Brian, I'm just imagining a vision though. Devin Houston, Jason Moore on the inside, slanting, Drake, uh, Drake Bowen, blitzing an A-gap. Defensive end, Keon Keeley coming inside on a stunt. Oh, man, just a lot of length, a lot of explosiveness. With yeah. Jalen Sneed out at Rover, Junior 2 Alamaka coming at Mike. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, 
you know, when Keon taps out, it's, hey, Aiden Gobira, you know, hey, Josh Burnham. You know, I mean, it's 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 really been impressive what they've been able to do so far. I mean, it's it's been really, really impressive. Let's see if we got any more questions here. We got a super chat from Ryan Feeks. Really enjoy all the analysis from the IB crew. How long do you see this staff sticking together? Who might be the most likely to move on first? That's a good question. First of all, for, great first name. Great first name. Mm-hmm. I would say that, Ryan. Um, I mean, it's going to be tough, right? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of younger coaches who we know that have other aspirations, right? To keep moving up in whether that is on the college side, whether it's on the NFL side. So, I mean, I think it's unrealistic to think that this is going to be a multi-year type of you know staff that you're going to keep together, but. I don't want to rush to think about it, to be honest right. with you. I mean, who's who's going to be the first be a, guy? It's speculation. Had irresponsible of us to do that because then people right. could take that and say, hey, there's rumors that so-and-so is going. But here's the deal. Name me the last time Alabama brought back the same coaching staff for more than one or two years in a row. Right, right. I mean, just look, at their offensive, just look at their offensive coordinator string, right? Like, I mean, right. you went from what, Lane, Lane Kiffin and Then they have something Clark like was there seven and... offensive coordinators in a nine, ten-year span. Probably because you had McElwain, Nussmeyer, mm-hmm. you had uh, uh, Lane, Lane, Lane was there, yeah, Nabble, mm-hmm. Mike Loxley, Steve Sarkeesian, and now Bill O'Brien. Yep, I mean, that's and yet they keep winning. And I, I think they've won, they won all, a championship with five different guys. So, you not know, about it, nah. the, the point, the point is though, is if they lose a guy, this is why the head coach is so important. Mm-hmm. When Notre Dame lost Harry Heastan, I didn't have faith that the head coach was going to replace him with a similar person. And and that's been a problem. And Marcus Freeman has shown, hey, there's a standard. I'm, I'm So, yes, if so-and-so leaves to become a head coach or a coordinator, that's a good thing for our program because our coaches are, are just like we want to develop our players to go achieve their dreams in the professional leagues. We also want to do the same thing with coaches. Right. If I'm a de- like if Harry Heastan wants to be a life on the line, then let's keep you for life. But other guys have aspirations of being coordinators or being head coaches. You want to build them and help them get that, because here's what happens when you have that success. Then the next guy is going to say, hey, hey, look, did you see what happened? We're talking D line. So let's use Al Washington because I brought him up the other day. I'll be shocked if in the next five years, Al Washington is in the head coach somewhere. Right. But if that happens. Then the next there's going to be other plenty of D line coaches. They're going to look at Notre Dame and say, they're going to have two very strong, three very strong feelings. Number one, they're going to say exactly what Al Golden said. I want to work with Marcus Freeman. Number two, the guy that I'm replacing just got a head coaching job. Number three, that dude left me dudes, right? That's why Bama will get great coaches every year, even though they know they don't like working with Nick Saban because they know the opportunities that are presented if they do that. And so, that losing coaches in this, as long as you have a head coach that you trust to go out there and continue to bring in other guys like-minded, then losing coaches isn't necessarily a bad thing. The problem is, is Brian Kelly didn't often do that. He he had a sh- nice string of defensive coordinators. I'll give him that with Elko and then Clark and then Marcus Freeman. He did a nice job there, but especially on the offensive side of the ball, we didn't see that play out nearly nearly as much as as it, as it should have mitchell coney says love seeing the staff put excuses to bed about notre dame not being able to recruit do you think this will be the best class in the country oh he said notre dame history right 
Yes. Um, Notre I mean, Dame I, history. Actually, uh, I, I just yeah, I just saw that. Uh, let's take it twofold. Let's go best class in the country, uh, best class in history. Mm-mm. I can't I, go there. Yeah, I I don't have enough historical context yeah. to even comment on it. To be honest, I'll say this. I would say let's look at it from the beginning of the what we call the rivals era, right? Because rivals really launched the recruiting rankings and all that kind of stuff. That was 2002. Does this class have a chance to be the best that Notre Dame has landed in that era? Absolutely. You got to get Dante Moore. The O-line class got to fill out. You got to get Jaden Greathouse. You've got to get Rodney Gallagher. I mean, you've got to get Jason Moore and Devin Houston. You've got to get, you know, one of the linebackers. You've got to meet your needs at corner. But, yeah, it's got a shot to be that. Best in history, I, I can't give you that kind of context. And mm-hmm. when I look at Notre Dame's 1990 class, I still have a hard time looking at that and being like anything other than I, I got something right here. Let me let me try to find this here real quick. Give you some of the names from that group. All right. So let me let me try to let me try to go find this this roster. Let me let me give you some guys that were part of that class. Okay, because it's absurd. Like the 1990 what? class was absurd. 1990? 1990 class, yeah. Because what, what Lusa – and the reason I bring up 1990 is because that's the class that Lusa Moji told me was the best class of sort of the modern era. There was a class – I think the I think his best class of all time is the, is the Ross Browner class of 73, mm-hmm. but I couldn't possibly tell you. Like I I have I have the 1990 class in front of okay, me. If you want me yeah. to read some names, yeah, because I know it's like Aaron Taylor, it's, Bryant so Young. quarterback Kevin McDougal. We got Jerome Bettis was in that class. Jeff Burris was a tailback recruit in that class. Oscar McBride at tight end. Aaron Taylor, Bryant Young, Jim Flanagan, Brian Hamilton, Tom Carter. A first yeah, round pick who now as a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. You just talked, you just listed a class with three college football Hall of Famers in it. Yep. And that sure doesn't thing. include the first round picks like Jeff Burris and Tom Carter and you know guys like that. But you just listed three college football Hall of Famers. Yeah, so, I'm looking at I'm looking at an article now that has them as that that is the number two class in Notre Dame's. Is history. that from Moose Emoji? That might no, it's not. It's not it's, okay. nope. Where's it from? It looks like it's a Bleacher Report article from Matt oh. Matera. Yeah, he stole it from Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Lou's because I actually have Lou's list of all time classes, uh, all all time classes, and I believe his number one class is the oh, it's actually the nineteen forty six class. Yeah, it's, it's it's the same list then because he has forty six as number one. It's as a well. meal. Then he stole Lou's rankings, douche. It's a meal Sitco. Um, Leon Hart, I mean, a bunch of guys I've never heard of. George Connor, you know, Ralph. I mean, there's a lot of guys I've never heard of, but like Leon Hart won a Heisman Trophy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Lou breaks it down. But I believe he had the 1990 as number two. Let me pull this up here real quick. Yeah, he had yeah. 1990 as number two. On top of some of the names that you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. You also had Dean Lytle, who was a freak, Lake Dawson, Clint Johnson, Tim Ruddy was part of that class. Oliver Gibson, Pete Bursich, Greg Lane, John Covington, and Willie Clark. Here's what Lewin wrote. Among the 21 players – so he, here's – let me see here. Uh, Among the 21 players who stayed, 14 played in the NFL. A school record five players in this class were drafted in the first round. That's 
Wow. Yeah. The previous high was the was four from nineteen sixty three that included Alan Page, Kevin Hardy, Paul Siler, and Tom Regner. And so he said, on top of the five first round picks, it also had Tim Ruddy was a second round pick, Willie Clark, Lake Dawson, Jim Flanagan were third round picks, and Oliver Gibson was a fourth round pick. So yeah, that's a that's a pretty good class, I would say. So it's just it's hard for me to say that this class is in that level. But of the modern era of 2002 to now, it has a chance to be there, right? It has a chance to be there. And the reason that I say that, Ryan, is because I can't compare what these guys are as high school players to those guys because I don't know what kind of high school players those guys were. I only know what kind of college players they were. And I can't predict that this class is going to have five future first-round picks. That'd be quite a prediction. I mean, there's guys with the five-star upsides. You know, I can't predict that there's going to be three Hall of Famers from this class, <laughs> you know, because when Lou wrote that article, I think two of them weren't Hall of Famers yet. So uh, maybe actually all maybe three of them were Hall of Famers. And then, of course, B.Y. just got elected into the NFL Hall of Fame, which is quite impressive. Matt, 2011 GT. I haven't seen you, Matt. So it's good to see you with Super Chat. If we continue to recruit at this level, it doesn't matter who leaves. There will be coaches that will be successful at Notre Dame. Yeah, I I'm, I think that's pretty spot on, right? Right. Yep. I mean. Yep. That's the whole point. Yeah. That's kind of what you highlighted, right? right? Like that's the trajectory you want. Right. Cuba says, is Marcus Freeman's um, Brian Kelly's best recruit? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Swift. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 DC Irish has a question. Was Lewis Nixon that 2011 class as well? No, Lewis was a 2010 recruit. Lewis's recruitment was really interesting because he actually committed to Notre Dame when they did not have a head coach. Right. I don't know if you know the story on this one, but. Lewis committed because they had kept some of the staff on to kind of keep recruiting till the new coach was hired. One of those coaches, smartly, was Tony Alford. Well, Tony was Notre Dame's Florida recruiter at the time because they were still a, 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 a um, regional recruiting staff back then, right? And Tony recruited Florida. And so he kept recruiting Lewis. And Lewis actually committed to Notre Dame before Brian Kelly was hired, after Charlie Weiss was fired. And and so yeah, that's a that's an impressive uh, that's an impressive deal. There, there's there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. So I see Ryan here. If there's any more questions to get to here before we before we get going, mm-hmm. uh, Matthew Hader says, "Would Impemba be a take if you still get those other five D linemen?" The answer is yes, Ryan, because they're not yes. recruiting Samuel Impemba as a defensive lineman. Yeah, now they're recruiting Impemba to be as a rover right now, and I think that his next trajectory would probably be Will. I mean, he could eventually maybe grow into a Viper. It's possible, but rover yeah, I, is the initial spot. I think him. they try him at Mike or Will before they would try him at Viper. Or and I mean I could even see him growing into a big end, but yeah, they're gonna they're gonna try to give him a chance to play off the ball first if they were to get him. Yep, we'll we'll see if they do or don't. But look, the other part is Alex Rohan said this too. I would take Impemba no matter what, right? And I think I think that's pretty spot on. Would would I think get, you know what I get, mean? Like get long and athletic kids and figure yeah. out where they fit. Yes, a hundred. You don't say no to a kid like that. Exactly. <laughs> you don't I don't care that. if he ends up at tight ends. You, You're right. Samuel Pemba wants to come. That's come on, another Sam. point. That's another point. You could you could put him at tight end. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Let me see here if we got any more before we get out of here. We got a ton of comments, ton of questions. So I just want to make sure we don't miss any of these. So I'm just trying to get to some, see if we have any more questions, Ryan. So just give me a second here. Yep. 
So this does figure that all this happens during uh, during draft week. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Mm. Hey, Michael, man, I need you to stop posting like stuff that comes from like troll Twitter sites. All right. Like just please don't do that. Right. Please don't do that. Love you, man. But just no. Everybody's talking about Arch Manning. Right. right Cause on, Eli's on yeah. campus. Right. And right. you know, some account that's been known to just make stuff up in the past. It has to do with art. It has nothing to do with Arch. He's like, from my understanding, he's filming some kind of commercial, right? It has nothing to do with Arch Manning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like this comment. I got to put this up real quick. I gave him Pemba a shot at quarterback. <laughs> if he wanted to come and wanted to try it, fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Is like kids like that, Ryan. You just you 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 ring them in and you figure it out. And that's what Saban has done for years. Like, do they really need that guy? Mm, no. You know, but so what? You know, and I think that's a uh, let manager says, uh, let manager one says, Brian, what do you think is the max defensive commits this class can take? So I say D line five, right, Ryan? Yep. Linebacker three, mm-hmm. cornerback two, safety two, and then I think there's one more, there's room for one more DB depending mm-hmm. on who it is. You know, you can take a third yeah. corner or a third safety, which then gets you to 13. 13. Yeah. Right. I think that's about where you, you would go. I think there was a chance they, and look, here's the deal. If they get, let's say they get more in Houston mm-hmm. and let's say they get Jaden Osbury, they get two corners. It's just for argument's sake, it's Micah Bell and Christian Gray, just for argument's sake. And then let's say they get one more DB, right? Whoever it is. If all of a sudden Samuel and Pemba still wanted to come, I think they'd figure it out, right? Or if Mpemba committed or Darren Gallette committed and then Jaden Osbury wanted to come later, I think they'd figure it out. I think they'd find sure. a way to figure it out. I think that's the thing I like about this staff is they're like, look, we'll figure it out, especially in this era of of, of kids committing uh, you know, or kids being able to kind of transfer out, Ryan, without sitting out. You're going to see more kids that, that – that go out like that. I do want to bring this yeah. up, Ryan, because this is this has been asked about on the board. So I want to give you a chance to address it. Because sure. you were, I think, in the middle of your interview stretch when this question got placed on the board and it was like during our show. Uh, mm-hmm. DM ND13, are you guys familiar with Owen Waffle? I, I don't know if that's how you say his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 2024 D line recruit from Jersey. And if so, what are your thoughts? The reason is, is there was a crystal ball for him today. Yep. So, Ryan, why don't you explain that's, that's, yeah. That's so, I mean, I mean, so yeah, obviously, I am. I am. I I have done a story on Owen in the past because he has visited Notre Dame before, and he's a New Jersey guy anyway. So I, I just know the name from from that instance as well. Um, I checked in with him after the crystal ball was put out. He's not in commit mode. He's not right. near commit mode. Right. So and I mean, that's he likes why we Notre checked Dame out too, is because it was right. like, wait a minute, that's not the vibe he'd given you in the past. So right. Um, yeah. He. He said there's not a timeline on anything right, right now. He's just enjoy- like he right now basically he's been talking to the staff recently just about what do I need to improve on? What are things right. that you need like kind of just feedback from his own personal game. So there's no timeline on Owen Waffle right now. And 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 in Tom's defense because I I've, I've had some people call me like, you know, why is he putting that out if the kid's not committing? And I'm like because crystal balls aren't meant to be this kid's about to commit. Right? That happens. But it's more about because they put it out way in advance because like this is as of right now, this is how I feel. And 
if I change my mind, I can change my mind. Like he had Notre Dame crystal ball for Cardinal Tate, changed it to Ohio State because that's what the new that's what the evidence was trending to, right? So in Tom's defense, because a couple of people were, were a little frustrated by it, crystal balls aren't meant to just be okay. I'm predicting this is going to happen next week. Commit right? watch, it, right? Right. Yeah. It, it's okay. Right now, I feel comfortable that this team is the clear leader. I don't necessarily say if I would disagree with that. But I think what it's turned into, and this is their own fault. This isn't Tom's fault. This is their the that that organization's fault because they allow people when a kid's about to commit, 30 people that know nothing about his recruitment can put in crystal balls for the kid. And so you get all these people like 90% whatever's, right? And and but the way it works too is I believe if you the further out you put it, the more points you get or whatever. And so that's why people do this stuff. So it's turned into OG oh, crystal ball, kids about to commit, but that wasn't necessarily the the intent of it the only intent of it is right. is, is kind of my point so uh, i did i did want to address that here real quick here's one from matt kustra which teams do you see jumping notre dame in the 23 recruiting rankings notre dame in the top five i mean that's uh, a little bit of a downer i mean <laughs> yeah i mean i, I five I, i'll be I, shocked I, let me say some seriousness ryan i'll let yeah. you answer it i will be flat out shocked floored if Notre Dame doesn't finish with a top five class. Oh yeah. Now they're, yeah, they're going to be a top. I mean, I would be a little surprised if they don't have a top three class, if they close on a couple of the people that we think they will. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's a very pessimistic look, obviously, Matt. Right. I mean, obviously teams like Alabama are going to be in the final rankings, right? Like they're going to get their, their commits late. Like they always do. Georgia, I'm sure will be in the conversation, Texas A&M, like there's going to be those types of schools, but I mean, I think Notre Dame has a legit shot to compete in that conversation, right? Like right. they, I think they can compete to have the number one class in the country. So let's be optimistic right now. I mean, just right. got a big commitment, big commitment. And you're talking about, if you look at in, in all seriousness too, I think here's another thing because there was times last year and there was a time in the 2021 class. I think last year's class was ranked number one at one point in time. It's definitely ranked number two at one point. But I know for a fact that the 2000, uh, the 2021 class was ranked number one for a while because like some of their early commitments was like Blake Fisher, Tyler Buckner, Lorenzo Styles, and Deion Colsey all committed like super early, like as sophomores, and and so they were they were up high, or actually er, fall of their junior seasons, right? So early, and they got into a situation where it was kind of like all their best players were committed early. I mean, it was like, you weren't going to fill out the rest of that class. Well, in this class is a little different because number one, the the 11 that they have, yes, it's early, but we're talking about impact players. So of the 11 commits in the class, Ryan, let me see here. Cooper Flanagan, Braylon James, Keon Keeley, Brennan Vernon, Bubakar, Drake Bowen, Peyton Bowen, seven of the 11 either are currently ranked in the top 100 by at least one service or were. Cooper Flanagan was, but he fell out. He's like 108 now. Like seven of your 11 kids are top 100 recruits. Like that's high volume. But the bigger thing is you're in a situation now where when you look at the quality of the recruit that we think they're going to continue to add, it's of a much higher caliber than what they've added where in the past they would kind of load up on their best kids early and then try to hold on. 
Right. This class to me has a little bit of a different feel to it. And I'm actually, Ryan, if, if you want to touch that one, because I'm actually trying to look up some, I'm actually doing the class calculator right now mm -hmm. of what I, as of right now, what we think the class is going to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to see here for a second what that, what that score would look like. So if you yeah, go ahead and I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's the simple fact that it's all the big fish are not out of the pond yet. Right. Like right. Your, Notre Dame's still in a good position with Dante Moore quarterback out of Michigan. They're still in a good spot with Charles Jagusa offensive lineman out of Illinois. They're trending in the right direction with guys like Jaden Osbury. Hopefully, you know, it, it, they've always taken a couple nice steps. He's coming back on campus next month, which is huge for Notre Dame. Sorry, May, June. Yeah, two months from now. But, but yeah, either way, they're in a good spot there. Jaden Greathouse, wide receiver out of Texas, it's trending well there. Rodney Gallagher, they just hit it out of the park with the with the recent visit. So this is not a they loaded up on everybody. Now we're just getting some depth pieces to this class, right? Like there are headliners that still have yet to make decisions, and Notre Dame is in a good spot with everybody that I just named. So Notre Dame needs to close, but this is definitely not a situation where. They loaded up on their big fish, and now they're just, you know, they're fishing for guppies, right? Like, right. they have some big dudes that are left on the board. If you look at if you look at what I project to be their class, I did not include Samson Oklahoma. I did not include Caleb Downs. I did not include a fifth uh, DB, and I did not include Samuel Mpemba. I took one of the lower-ranked linebackers. This class would finish fourth last year in what was an absurd year in a couple of those classes. It would have finished third in 2021 based on what those numbers are. Would have finished second in 2020. And second in 2019. Third in 2018. I mean, so you're, you're picking up the pattern here. Third in 2017. So... Like you're talking about a surefire top three class. And that's with me not even giving them everything I think they're going to get. It, it didn't include a fifth offensive lineman. It didn't include like some guys that would like, if you get a fifth offensive lineman, all of a sudden that sucker jumps up a little bit. And now we're talking about like, let's just, let's just say they get a fifth offensive lineman. Let's just say for argument's sake, I'm not going to say who the other guys, let's say they get a fifth offensive lineman that I know is a good player, but not like considered like a top player. And let's say, that I'm I'm wrong and they get one of those big time highly ranked defensive players I didn't include. Now all of a sudden that class that class jumps up even higher. You're talking about ranks first or second in some of those years. So that's um that's uh, a huge, huge deal. So th there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Kay Grant with a super sticker. Appreciate that very, very much. I hope it sounds like you kind of got that figured it out. So uh, big day, big day, Ryan. Right? I mean, big day. It's, yeah. Right? We, we didn't think we were going to do two shows today, but here we are. Mm -hmm. It's a big day. Anytime yeah. we do two shows, you know it's a good day. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There you go. So anyway, we did our Wednesday night recruiting show, Ryan. <laughs> so we'll get back to that when the draft is over and – Spring out of spring is over and all that kind of stuff. So appreciate it, everybody. But there was one more that I comment that I wanted to bring up because it was just so perfect uh, to wait to end the show. So since my man Ace K hasn't given me his closing yet, God Country Notre Dame and Irish Breakdown, great, great name, by the way. Smash the like button. 
Gap is closing. BK left his card out in the parking lot years ago and never made it into the store. Freeman smashed through the doors first day. So I, I, I just had to. I just had to get that in there. That was that was brilliant. I appreciate that, and I love the name very, very much. Hey, hit that like button, everybody. Hit the subscribe button. Here we go for Ryan's keeps per purchase. <laughs> so, um, thank you for that, Matt. Uh, hit that like button, hit subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, join the message board, everybody. We have so much going on. You'd have had a little bit of a heads up that this was coming. Little bit, little bit, little bit, not too much earlier, but lots of great discussion, lots of great intel, a lot of great stuff going on. But if you can't or if you don't want to join the message board, keep doing what you're doing. Keep watching our show, share the podcast, uh, all those kind of things. What he's gonna do is he's gonna not he's gonna be on the show. That's what he's gonna do, man. <laughs> Ryan's locked in, folks. Right? Oh, he's locked in. He's gonna uh-huh. he's gonna be he's gonna be like Mel Kuyper. No, he's gonna be like uh who's the dude that's like um Oh, not Adam Schefter. The other guy like him, but you're in the middle Rhea of the show. Pa- like, Ian Rappaport? There you go. And he's like like on his phone, like, you know, texting stuff about the draft when he's doing a show. That's what he's going to be doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hey, rule number 76, no excuses. Right? Play like a champion. <laughs> so um, that's that's how it's going to be. So he'll be on the show. There's no doubt about it. But we're going to make some phone calls tonight. We're going to call all the Notre Dame recruits and let them know, like, listen, no commitments for the next three days. Ryan's locked into the draft. So if y'all could just hold on until the 1st of May, we're obviously kidding. So anyway, everybody, thanks for being with us today. Two great audiences, tons of great questions, tons of great comments. We appreciate all of you guys. Thank you all so, so, so very much for being a part of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.